This is a one and all media podcast. Today. 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 Today with Jeff Fines. We are taking the gospel to the world. Pastor, apologist, and Bible teacher. Bringing people far from God near to God. We believe in one truth that will be delivered in love and compassion. Connecting every one person to all that God has promised them. Today. Today. Today with Jeff Fines. Welcome back to Today with Jeff Fines. My name's Aaron here at One and All Media. And today we get to continue part two from Pastor Jeff looking at Numbers chapter six, where the people of God take a vow of sacrifice. We're going to be looking at their inspiration and how they were so passionate about wanting God to do something amazing in them through sacrifice and how we can apply that to our lives today. If you missed the first part of Pastor Jeff's message, you can find it by going to wherever you listen to your podcast and searching for Today with Jeff Finds. But let's not wait any longer. Here's Pastor Jeff now. Now, to a person who was involved in this vow, it was a glorious thing. Most young boys had memorized the Torah by age 13, and they had heard about people who had taken this vow, but most of them had, had never seen anybody. They had never seen this kind of thing. They had heard about people who were so passionate about God doing something extraordinary that they themselves were willing to live out of the ordinary so passionate about God doing something that was life-changing that they were willing to change their lives for it significantly. Desperate for God to do something supernatural that they would be willing to give up something that is natural to everyday living. They were people who were earnest, who were desperate, so desperate, so earnest, they were willing to do a physical and spiritual detox in hopes that God would move. And then one day, these young boys and girls who had memorized the Torah would go to the tent of meeting, and you think about what they would see. They've heard about guys like this. And then the end would walk this guy again with unbelievably long hair. He's penniless, but they can see that something's happened to him. There's a sense of fulfillment and joy around him. The celebration begins. The imagery's overwhelming. You can tell by the look on his face he had finally found what he'd been looking for. A picture of desperation and celebration and rejoicing. A picture of something extraordinary, supernatural, miraculous. And then the priest would read that famous line to him. Oh, the Lord bless you now and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. Be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and now give you peace. Now, why did I take you through that? Every narrative we said in the Old Testament leads to a greater narrative. You with me? Every narrative that you see is a pointer to a greater narrative. Who was the ultimate Nazarite. Who took the ultimate Nazarite vow? Did he do anything extraordinary? Was he set apart? Was he different than everybody else? Did he change his way of living? Did he sacrifice anything for the extraordinary? Did God intervene and grant his request? 
Folks, listen, have you ever been anywhere that you just took a look at it? You stood up and you thought, man, that is, that, I am in awe of what I'm seeing right now. You were just overwhelmed and you didn't need to take photos because it, it made its way right in here and you're never going to forget it. The first five years of my ministry, I kept going back and back to this place called Murawai Beach because that's the place that I'll never forget. It's beautiful. And I know there's a photo going to come any moment. <laughs> See? You can't explain it. These pictures don't do it justice because there's no hotels. It's, it's, it's untamed. When you're out there, it's like you've, you've left planet Earth and you've gone to a little glimpse of heaven and you've got the Gannet colony. It's, it's just to stand there. You could do it for hours and suddenly you feel like that maybe this is where God takes his vacation. Maybe this is where God is. But as beautiful as that is, and it is beautiful, if I could take you to heaven right now, and I could give you a one-on-one -on -one with Jesus. Do you know what would happen? His brightness would overwhelm you. Your heart would skip a beat. You would have trouble catching your breath. You'd probably collapse and fall to your knees. You'd be so overwhelmed with adoration and awe and admiration and astonishment. And by contrast, you would do what Isaiah did. Woe is me. I'm undone. And yet, when Jesus came to earth, Taking the ultimate Nazarite vow, Isaiah 53 said, he had no beauty that we would be drawn to him. He gave up his glory. He emptied himself of glory and beauty. He emptied himself of everything that evokes honor. He came and he was poor and eventually he was beaten and tortured and killed. The God of the universe who created everything. He didn't write the story of creation. He created. And now here he is. He became rejectable, therefore was rejected. And Jesus even said himself in Matthew 8, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. The creator of everything had nothing. The sacrifice he made was unimaginable. I mean, my goodness, you and I give up chocolate. He gave up his deity. His omniscience, his omnipotence, his omnipresence, willingly. Because he was part of a supernatural plan of God to redeem you and me. Theologians call this the kenosis theory, based on a word in Philippians that he reduced himself. In essence, he never stopped being God, but he willingly laid aside some of the things associated with being God. He got hungry, he was thirsty. He experienced fatigue and anxiety. So we're told in Philippians 2, 7, he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. So the one who had the greatest reputation, the king of glory, had no reputation. This is the king of glory who comes down to earth and is ignored. Do you understand that? His reputation, his home, his position, his honor, his power... But there's something else. Like the Nazarite vow, the Bible is clear. These things were not taken from him. He willingly gave them up. John 10, no one takes it from me, Jesus said. You think you're taking my life? You're not taking my life. I lay it down. I have power to lay it down. And I have power to take it again. I loved what he said in Matthew 26. Do you not think I, can't, I couldn't pray right now to my father and he will provide me with more than 12 legions of angels? You think... You think you're trying to save my life here? If I wanted to save my life, I'd call down heaven. I'm not from around these parts. 
My home's up there. Jesus, the ultimate Nazarene, he's the ultimate representative of the Nazarite vow. He didn't merely give up one comfort, he gave them up, he gave up all of them. The, the Son of Man didn't even have a bed, a home. He stood out in the crowd not because he had long hair, because of the length he'd go to to redeem, to reconcile us to God. He never defiled himself with dead bodies because every time he came around one, they raised from the dead. Everything he touched lived again. Well, here's where it gets interesting. In 1 John 3, 16, but this we know love because he laid down his life for us and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. What's he saying? The call on your life is the Nazarite vow for your entire life. Not the abstaining from wine, but to giving up simple, natural things that other people would never give up. To stand out, to be distinctive, to be different than everybody else. Not by long hair, but by the way you live. And to not defile yourself with something that could cause death. We're little Nazarites. Everything we touch should live again. That's why the definitive line in Nehemiah 5 is when he said, I devoted myself to the work on this wall. I look at that again and again because Nehemiah, he could have had an easy life. He could have been living large. Dude's got a cushioned job, eating palace food, hanging out with the palace staff. I mean, he could have just continued to acquire and gain and gain, but he said, no, I'm not going to live my life that way. I'm not going to live my life out in economic splendor. And then look at, look at the reason he gives us in Nehemiah 5, 14 and 15. Moreover, from the time I was appointed to be their governor in the land of Judah from the 20th year until the 32nd year of King Artaxerxes, 12 years, neither I nor my brothers ate the governor's provisions, but the former governors who were before me laid burdens on the people and took from them bread and wine besides 40 shekels of silver. Yes, even their servants bore rule over the people, but I did not do so because of the fear of God. Now, why did he not do it? Why did he not stay in the palace? Why did he not stay and live a life of splendor? Out of fear of God. What does that mean? He knew he had been called to build the city of God and the city of man, and to refuse to do that was being direct disobedience to the call of God on his life. Now, here's what that tells me. I've been called You've been called. I've been sanctified. You've been sanctified. I live a different life. You live a different life. It's against the grain. It's a life of distinction. We're no longer egocentric where we think it's all about us. We now know it's all about God. And we live from the top down where God gets our very best. Isn't that the point of what Paul said? He said, let this mind, now back in Philippians, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. In other words, you are supposed to be like him. The one who took the ultimate vow, who was so passionate about God doing something extraordinary that he himself lived out of the ordinary. Someone who was so passionate about God doing something life-changing that he was willing to change his way of life and leave heaven and come here in poverty. Someone who was so desperate for God to do something supernatural that he was willing to sacrifice something that was a natural part of his previous existence. He radically altered the pattern of his life. 
And here's the thing, in Matthew 10, 24, Jesus says a disciple is not above his teacher nor a servant above his master. So the question is, have I radically altered my life? And the answer, I'm telling you, I'm not talking about you right now. I'm talking about me. Me, have I radically altered my life? And the answer is no. I have not. And I find myself spending more time defending my right to do what I do. I'm truly worried about me. I just wonder if I live in constant denial. If I say one thing, but then I think I'm doing really well at it, but I'm not. It's like the woman down in Costa Mesa who drove around with a dead body in her car for 10 months so she could ride in the carpool lane. 10 months. Do you know what happens to a body in that amount of time? True story. The body mummified. The cops finally called her and she said, I didn't know the body was there. Really? You know how that would stink? Am I going to stand before Jesus? And is he going to look at me and say, dude, you lived your whole life in denial. You said one thing, but how did you really radically change your life for the sake of the city of God? And I'm going to say, I didn't notice. And I think he would say, you didn't smell it? Did you smell like everybody else and you look like everybody? That didn't bother you at all? I wonder if I've been kidding myself sometimes. What have I really given up for the sake of Jesus Christ? What, how am I living extraordinarily? What extraordinary sacrifice have I made? You know, I get paid to preach. I don't do this for free. They pay me a salary. Is that a surprise to you? So what have I really given up? What extraordinary sacrifice have I really made? Or am I just drunk on grace? Dallas Willard said, grace is not opposed to effort. Grace is opposed to earning. You think grace means you don't alter your life? No, it just means you alter your life because of the grace you've been given. What have I really lost or given up for the sake of Jesus Christ and his mission on earth to build the city of God and the city of man? What have I really given up? Richard Rescorla, do you know that name? He's the director of security at Morgan Stanley. When the 9-11 attacks occurred, he put a plan of evacuation that he himself had written into working and rescued. Some people think he rescued as many people as were killed. Some people say 2,500. Some people say over 3,000. He stayed refusing to stop the rescue effort employing his plan of action right up until the time he was killed. You remember the story of Casey Bernardo? The young lady at the Columbine shootings? The perpetrator looked at her and said, do you believe in God? And she knew if I say yes, he's going to kill me. She said yes, and she died. Two weeks before that, she had been videoed by a Christian youth group. And in that video recording, she said, I just try not to contradict myself. I just want to get rid of all the hypocrisy and live for Jesus. Man, am I a hypocrite? Do we talk about changing our lives extraordinarily, living lives of distinction? Do we stand out in the crowd at all? 
Or am I just kidding myself? I look at my life sometimes and I say, what's wrong with me? Do you ever do that? Not say, what's wrong with Pastor Jeff? I'm talking about you. (laughs) You ever look at your life and say, what's wrong with me? I follow Jesus, but I look nothing like him. Shouldn't there be some kind of form of resemblance between me and him? And the passage that frightens me is 2 Timothy 3. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. Well, these are the last days. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, without self-control, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. That last line, what what does it really mean? It means that I talk about how the Holy Spirit's transformed me, but you can't tell any difference between me and anybody else. I pursue the same things. I go to the same places. I read the same books. There's no difference. How have I radically changed my life? in imitation of my Savior, who radically changed his. There's a report that was leaked by a prominent Italian sociologist by the name of Massimo Intervigne. And in 2016, we know that a Christian died every six minutes just for being a Christian. My goodness. (laughs) My brothers are giving their lives all around the world. And I can't even give up a latte or expensive golf balls or movies or cable TV or Netflix or eating out or vacations or new clothes. My attitude is this. Well, I tithe my income, so that's the sacrifice I make and that's good enough. And while we're being honest, some of you can't even do that. And anytime somebody brings it up, you want to get all theological and start discussing the legalism of tithing. It's not about that for the hundred thousandth time. It's about here. What's in here? 2 Samuel 24, 18. There's been a destructive plague in Israel. God puts his hand up and says, this far, no further. David is commanded to build an altar to God to thank him for stopping the plague. He's on his way up to build the altar on the threshing floor of Unah, the Jebusite. The problem is Unah's a wealthy man. He's got a lot of money and he loves King David. So he sends a message to King David. Hey, this is fantastic. I'll supply everything. I'll give you the timber. I'll give you the wood for building the altar. I'll even give you the animals, the sacrifice. Let me fund the whole thing. And David responds like this in 2 Samuel 24, 24. I will not sacrifice to the Lord offerings that cost me nothing. I'm not going to give something that doesn't cost me something. What has my relationship to Jesus cost me? And the irony is we've lost an internal joy that can only be found in dying to ourselves and living for something eternal. That's what we said in the beginning. But very few people believe it. And those even who believe it will not live it. That's why the road is narrow. And what is the ultimate vow of the Nazarene? If you want to be truly rich, give yourself away. The way up is down. The way to rule is to serve. The way to become infinitely happy is not seek your own happiness, but to seek the happiness of others. And the most glamorous glory of all is to give away your glory so that someone else can become glorious. But only a few will find it. You know what the one word is all through the Bible that you find again and again and again? Sacrifice. 
God takes something willingly given up by us and uses it to make somebody else stronger. Do you, you think this is hogwash? You think, you think this is just a, I don't know, platitude? Listen, do you know why? Do you know why that what you're looking for is this? Because you've been created in the image of God, which means what really makes him happy makes you happy. And what pleased God was to give away what was most precious to him so that he would not lose you, which means you will give away what is most precious to you so that you will not lose others. And joy becomes central, sorrow peripheral. There's still sorrow in your life because we go through life. It's part and partial to everyday living. But ultimately, there is overriding joy way down deep inside because you know you've answered the biggest questions of life. And you found out what life is really like to be lived as Jesus lived. And that God is powerful enough to take something from you and actually make you stronger. Remember what the Bible says in Hebrews 12. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now scholars will tell you the joy is the joy that he was awaiting on the other side of the crucifixion. And that's true, but there's another joy. There's a present joy that even on the way to the cross, there was a joy in Jesus knowing that he's about to die for your sins and mine and those who are far from God can come near. You know what the goal of this message has been? I know what's wrong with us. Because I know what's wrong with me. I know now. The way to be truly rich is to give yourself away. But we keep trying to Gain more and more monetary stuff. The way up is down, but we keep trying to go up. The way to rule is to serve, but we keep trying to be authoritative. The way to become infinitely happy is to not seek your own happiness, but to seek the happiness of others. But you and I are addicted to happiness fixes. And the most glamorous glory of all is to give away your own glory and your position and prestige and honor so that someone else can become glorious. So the question I have, who wants to live? Who wants to really live? Then you got to die. Then you got to die. Father, I thank you and praise you for the reality of who you are. I wish, I pray that I trusted you more. Help me in my unbelief. Help us in our unbelief. Help us to trust you to the point that we'd be willing to live a life as if people around us would say, wow, the way up is down. The way of ruling is to serve. The way of true glory is to give our glory away so that somebody else can become glorious. And most of all, I pray that we would recognize in this one season, in this one moment right now, that the Holy Spirit would open our eyes and help us to realize that the most precious words you hear from us are... I've had enough of myself. You got me, God. Let's go. I confess my sin before you, that my life has not been radically altered. And I pray that my brothers and sisters would also confess and that we'd change. In Christ's name, amen. You've been listening to Today with Jeff Fines. Next time, we'll bring you a new message from Pastor Jeff. 
You can listen to more messages like this. Just search for Today with Jeff Fines wherever you listen to podcasts. You make me Today. 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 Today with Jeff Fines. This is a production by One and All Media. For more, head to oneandall.media.